Let's head now to Boston and Celeste Katz Marston's on the line. Celeste, welcome to Overnights as always. Thank you for having me. Well, I think it's fair to say it is a unprecedented and scary day in the US right now, especially in the US capital. Uh, the scenes that we saw on the news this morning, well, this morning Australian time, were were unlike anything I've seen before. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Uh, can you take us through how it transpired from your point of view? Basically, what happened was yesterday was a big day in the U.S. political process, uh, which was going to be the certification of the uh, the electoral college of votes for president and vice president, which is something that uh, is done by Congress, the Senate and the House, overseen by the vice president presiding. And uh, prior to that taking place at the U.S. Capitol, uh, President Trump held a major rally in Washington where he uh, encouraged his supporters not to accept the outcome of the election, which obviously was that he had lost, and to uh, show their uh, their rejection of that outcome to the lawmakers uh, at the Capitol as they gathered for this uh, important procedural vote. So um, thousands of people gathered for that rally. A lot of them made their way to the Capitol, and that's when things really started going sideways. Um, you had uh, uh, thousands of people gathered around the Capitol. Some of those people got violent, uh, attacking the police, uh, storming the Capitol, the United States Capitol, breaking windows, uh, invading the building. Um, uh, at least one woman was shot. Uh, she later died. Uh, other people were injured. Uh, lawmakers were taking shelter, wearing gas masks, being evacuated. Uh, reporters, people that I know, uh, lawmakers and reporters both kind of hunkered down. I tried to interview one lawmaker, actually, who told me that she couldn't talk because she was afraid to speak out loud on the phone because she was barricaded in a room with protesters banging on the door oh trying God. to find people. It was it was really a, a terrifying day and a very sad day for the United States, I'm, I'm sorry to say. The supporters, the Trump supporters who actually did get into the Capitol building and Nancy Pelosi's office and, uh, and the, the chamber itself, once in there, what did they actually do? Hello? Uh, we might have lost Celeste for the moment. Celeste, are you there? Oh. I'm here. Oh, sorry. You dropped out for one moment. I was just going to say, for the, oh. the, the Trump supporters who actually did manage to get into the chamber and Nancy Pelosi's office and, and other places, once in there, what did they actually do? Uh, basically, they, uh, they sort of... Uh, raged through the building. They uh, A lot of stuff was broken. You saw images of people carrying away things like lecterns. Uh, they were sitting at senators' desks, going through people's offices, touching their stuff. Um, you had pictures of people in uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi's office. Uh, it was really a shocking display. I can't, I sort of am still grappling with, with how bizarre and frightening this is. I mean, it was, invasion is the correct word for this. One of the photos I saw was of a man carrying the Confederate flag through the whole halls of the Capitol. Uh, in terms of looking at history from a long lens, uh, 
it feels as though that is a, a threshold that has been that has been crossed. Given the U.S. fought a civil war 150 years ago, uh, and that flag was never flown in the capital during that war, and yet here we are in 2020, and there's a man in the capital chamber with it. Uh, what kind of message do you think that sends out? I think a lot of people are are really upset by that because that flag is. For some people, some people have argued that that is part of American history, and and perhaps that is the case. We certainly cannot deny that uh, we had a civil war, that this country had a history of uh, slavery um, and uh, racial oppression, no question about that. But to sort of carry that as a a rallying symbol into the nation's capital. Washington, D.C. was not the capital of the Confederacy. Um, The Confederacy lost the Civil War. That's over, or it should be. Um, There were other symbols and other messages out there that, uh, you know, represent sort of far-right groups, very divisive groups. And that is not something you particularly want to see on the threshold of a, a new administration. We had just had a divisive election. You would hope that people would would um, be somewhat willing to come together and accept the outcome of a, a difficult but legitimate uh, election season and election. But uh, there are some people who are just not willing to let it go, uh, notably the president of the United States being one of them. You spoke to uh, Representative Yvette Clark, who was in the Capitol uh, when when everything happened. Uh, What was her experience? Yeah, she is a a lawmaker that I've known for some years from New York. And she was uh, in her office, which is part of the Capitol uh, complex, and she was uh, trying to leave and uh, all the Capitol police Uh, Radios went off with emergency alerts, and then they received messages to shelter in place, to stay away from the windows and the doors. Um, You know, they locked themselves into their office, sort of uh, waiting to see if this invasion was going to get to them. But, uh, you know, people were uh, evacuated. People were in fear of their lives, no question about it. And, uh, you know, in in her case particularly, uh, I think it it was frightening because she had been witness to something that happened in New York City some years ago, which was um, uh, a gunman who came into New York City Hall and assassinated a member of the New York City Council. And that was somebody that she knew, had worked with, been close to. So, um, you know, when she hears something or sees something about armed invaders in a government building, that certainly brings back uh, a very frightening and uh, uh, disturbing memory. The... It appears as though, from the from what I've seen, that a lot of the the people involved in this have been allowed to leave uh, without at least prosecution, or or it's not clear what kind of role the police are going to take in uh, convicting those who were responsible for this. Uh, I've seen some people online suggesting that. Were these individuals to have skin that was not white, it is less likely they would have been able to get anywhere near where they were able to get. And in fact, there's a good chance that grievous force would have been used by the police much earlier. Do you think that's a fair comment? I think that we have seen footage of uh, white demonstrators, people who are in this mob, knocking down police barriers, punching and hitting police officers, fighting them. 
and whether all of those people uh, suffered some sort of repercussion. Obviously, I don't have a, a full rundown of the, uh, the docket for um, Washington, D.C. courts tomorrow. But yeah, there's, there's no question that there were people who engaged in um, unlawful behavior, trespassing or property damage or whatever, who got away with it. And there were people who were openly talking about this, certainly, including uh, right on the floor of the House, members of Congress who were saying uh, people were able to walk away from this because of the way they looked. Uh, we are hearing a lot of objections and um, you know people who have a, sort of a righteous anger about the difference between how people in this mob were treated versus people who were part of, say, the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, and um, you know, groups like that, demonstrations that we saw throughout, uh, especially throughout 2020. So um, was it a question of the Capitol Police being overwhelmed, uh, just unable to sort of corral these people or just wanting to get people out of uh, the Capitol complex? Uh, were they unable to sort of round people up en masse? You know, that's a possibility. There were a lot of people and the officers, as you can see, were trying to keep peace, but were overwhelmed. The real question is, how did this uh, how did this get so out of hand in the first place? Were they just woefully unprepared or were exceptions made because the crowd was was primarily or largely white? Is it clear what repercussions there are going to be from this point onwards for President Trump? Well, right now, uh, President Trump has been pretty silent. Last, you know, they send out uh, his public schedule to reporters and so on every day. And he had no public schedule listed for today. It just said he was going to be in a lot of important meetings and phone calls. Um didn't uh, didn't share the details of many of those. He's currently uh, suspended on Twitter, actually, for uh, uh, I think primarily for a video that he put out, which encouraged people to go home during the the rioting and the disruption, but also described people as you know very special, uh, said that they were entitled to be angry and so on, and that was seen as promoting or supporting uh, violence. Uh, some people say he's incited violence. So the answer to your question is right now there is some discussion reportedly of whether or not um, the cabinet or the Congress should consider uh, trying to invoke the 25th Amendment, which can remove a president from office if he is incapacitated or if he is not capable of performing the duties of the presidency. And has that ever been invoked before for, for a sitting U.S. president? Uh, they, uh, the 25th Amendment actually can be invoked temporarily. For example, uh, if a president is going to undergo a surgical or medical procedure and is not conscious, is not capable physically of handling the duties of the office, the vice president takes over and then power is returned. So it's not unheard of. But this obviously, I mean, a president um, having the, you know, even the consideration of the 25th Amendment being invoked because of inciting a riot at the United States Capitol, not something that we see frequently in U.S. history, to put it mildly. And uh, I understand former President Obama has put out a statement on his view of the situation. What did he have to say? Yeah, basically, he's just saying that it's a, a shameful moment in United States history, but that people shouldn't necessarily be surprised that it got to this point, that um, the president and people around him uh, have been uh, peddling a lot of misinformation and sort of self-serving uh, rhetoric and 
alternative facts, whatever you want to call them, about how this election actually went. And so whipping people up into a frenzy and then uh, being surprised that they show up and uh, act out on that anger and frustration isn't terribly surprising. And it is worth noting that um, the the objections are not just limited to the immediate past president, but uh, presidents um, George W. Bush, a Republican, and Bill Clinton, a Democrat, have also, um, you know, lent their voices to to condemning what happened in Washington. What about other leading Republican figures, especially those who are currently uh, in one office or another? Has there been uh, has there been a lot of word from them, and have they condemned the situation? Yeah, a lot of people have. Certainly, you've heard uh, passionate speeches on the floor. Watched uh, a lot of the proceedings yesterday. I actually stayed up the entire time. The uh, electoral college proceedings finally got done um, after three a.m. Uh, Eastern time. Uh, but yeah, people saying, look, this is enough is enough. And uh, yeah, there may be some questions about um, certain things that happened in the election, whether everything was done letter perfect, but people are really seeing this as a potential breaking point for U.S. democracy and saying enough is enough. People like Senator Lindsey Graham, who has been, uh, after a, a rocky start, largely supportive of President Trump, uh, going out there and saying, you know, this is it, he's had it. Or uh, people like Senator Mitt Romney, who ran for president twice, actually, covered both those races. And he said, look, I've run for president and I've lost. It's not fun, but we need to move on. So you do have voices, certainly within the Republican Party. Um, You're also seeing people starting to resign from uh, the administration, from the White House. People just don't want any part of this after uh, what we saw at the Capitol yesterday. So there are people who continue to the end to support objections to certifying the outcome of um, of the 2020 vote of the Electoral College. But um, there is a real concern within uh, large swaths of the Republican Party that, um, you know, basically giving into a mob mentality is not what this country needs right now. Well, especially when the Republican Party is uh, at least promotes itself as the party of law and order uh, it must really work against the the image of themselves they're trying to convey. Yeah, there's obviously a, a huge disconnect there. And any uh, is it fair to say that there were people at that rally who were there to support the president and to peacefully protest, peacefully assemble, as is their right? Yeah, sure. But um, those are not the people that we saw uh, breaking things, breaking windows, uh, you know, barging into the Capitol, uh, going up against the police, uh, trying to sort of take the Capitol by force. That's not, um, you know, that's a really difficult thing for for anybody to align themselves with and claim to be a supporter of, of law and order. When people like former President Obama and others say, uh, that this is not a surprise. That's something I've heard a lot in the last you know, day that people are saying that there was something inevitable or something predictable about this. Are they talking about just because of what's happened since November or is this a timeline that really goes all the way back to November 2016? Uh, I, yeah, I would say I would say the latter. I think this is not just anger that is uh, resultant from the outcome of the election. I think that uh, 
President Trump, whatever you think of him, has developed a real bond with his base, his excellent, uh, excellent skills when it comes to communicating with people and sort of stoking up their anger and frustration with um, with Democrats or with people that they feel are taking away opportunities or changing the fundamental nature of this country or trying to rewrite its history. And he's always been um, very out there in terms of telling people not to back down, to stand up, to fight. You know, he uses a lot of martial language, a lot of um, aggressive, even violent language, uh, telling people never to give in, never to give up, uh, denigrating people, denigrating large groups of people. Um, and, you know, just some of his personal behavior as well sort of, um, I think, has gotten gotten into people's bloodstreams in a way. And so um, having an administration that is largely based on um, playing to the anxieties and angers and fears and worries of a big part of this country, you know, it, it is not surprising that that some of that came out. I'm not saying that every person who voted for Donald Trump went to the U.S. Capitol today and started breaking things. But at the same time, it, you know, again, if you have an administration that has as its cornerstone uh, sort of anger and frustration with the way things are going and a sense of license about acting out on that um, while giving a mixed message that, of course, we support law and order. Yeah, people are going to be confused and they're going to take the opportunity um, to to engage in what they believe is sort of permissible behavior, even if that behavior is violent and illegal. How has it been framed uh, by the media? Because like, the words and the nomenclature that's used uh, has a big impact at times like these. Um, AJ texted into the show just then to say what happened today wasn't a protest, it was a riot. And even that is something I've seen in the media. Some people are calling the individuals who, who stormed the Capitol today protesters. Some are calling them rioters. And it really does matter which side you fall on there. Um, has the media had any kind of unity in the way they've reported on what's going on or is there now a debate about what happened today? Uh, I think from what we've seen, most of mainstream media has uh, taken the step of referring to this as uh, mob, as rioting, that it, that it was simply not a peaceful protest. There's endless, uh, you know, pictorial video evidence to show that these people were knocking down police barriers, smashing windows, attacking law enforcement officers. Um, there, there's no there's no possible legitimate way to describe that as a peaceful protest. Um, there were demonstrators there. Again, there were people who did not engage in violence. But when you have thousands of people, you know, climbing the walls of the U.S. Capitol, breaking down the doors, literally, there's there's no way to get around that. There have been some conservative outlets that have tried to uh, raise the question of, well, this isn't how Trump supporters act. I don't know any Trump supporters who act like that. Maybe this was a false flag operation. Maybe these were Antifa uh, people or uh, left-wing people mm. dressed up in MAGA hats or carrying Trump flags. Again, there's really no, um, there's no substantive evidence that I've seen to support that. And, you know, looking just at... Um, bulletins that are coming in now from the Associated Press. You have the Capitol Police saying that um, this mob, uh, these were people with metal pipes, 
uh, chemical irritants, you know, assuming that's stuff like pepper spray or tear gas and um, other weapons that they used against the Capitol Police. Uh, that's it's hard to portray that as a peaceful protest. Well, now that certification has happened, uh, we can officially, you know, it seems like this election seems to happen again and again, and, and, and Biden has to be declared the victor again and again, only to have continuing, uh, you know, uh, comments that hasn't been done. But the result is, as you recently tweeted, uh, 306 for Biden and 232 for Trump. The That's been decided, that's been certified. That means we're less than two weeks away from inauguration. Is there fears or are there fears that this violence could resurface on inauguration day? Uh, look, I, I, I think that people of goodwill certainly hope that that's not the case. This is a, an unusual inauguration season because, of course, we are conveniently also in the middle of a deadly pandemic. Um, the vast majority of America has not been vaccinated. We're seeing uh, numbers starting to climb. Uh, so they're trying to limit you know, public gatherings, even outdoors. This is not going to be a traditional inauguration. That said, uh, there is going to be uh, massive police and military presence in Washington around the inauguration. Um, my home state of New York, for example, um, has answered a call for a thousand National Guardsmen to go to Washington to, uh, to quote unquote, ensure the peaceful transition of power. So, uh, if that's any indication, uh, if the the massing of police and military around the Capitol to ensure that the inauguration actually comes off uh, is any indication, then yeah, there is a concern. Uh, there are people in this country, unfortunately, who will never accept the outcome of the election. Uh, I guess based on what we've seen yesterday, keeping them from causing trouble is is uh, now one of the uh, the top items on the list. Is this the new normal? Is uh, every time there's an election now, will the losing side claim that it was rigged? It was uh, you know it was all against them. Not accept the result. Lead to endless challenges in the court and 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 g up their supporters and say this isn't fair. We should claim back the result that was rightfully ours. I think the people on the losing side of every election always think it wasn't fair. Um, generally, it's hard to lose, and everyone gets that. We have a very, um, you know, sort of spirited and vigorous political process here. It's it's adversarial. Um, we have uh, political divisions in this country that have been around for a long time that are not going away. Um, do I think that every electoral college certification is going to result with a riot uh, inside the United States Capitol? I, I hope not, and I don't think so. I think that's going to depend on some of the messages that we see sent from our leadership after what everybody just witnessed and, and went through, um, that this is something that is... Uh, that should not go down as a, a bright day in this nation's history and something that should not be repeated. Well, finally tonight, you mentioned before that this inauguration season is unusual uh, in part because of the ongoing situation with the COVID-19, which is still so serious in the US. Uh, well, um, and this new virus variant, which seems to have emerged out of the UK, uh, it doesn't appear as though the US is... Uh, prepared to meet the additional challenges that could present? 
Yeah, there's uh, obviously there's this new variant of the virus that could be uh, much more easily spread. And we have uh, our hospitals already very stressed. Um, our system is already very stressed. Our economy is already very stressed. So there's been some discussion about um how much mapping and tracking of this new variant uh, can be done. Uh, there is a possibility that uh, some of the practices that we have in place uh, now may well change um, under a new president, President-elect Biden, who will take office, as he said, later this month. Um, so there's a, you know, there's going to be a focus in the Biden administration. Uh, he's already come out and said that he's going to ask people to take further precautions, wear masks, uh, and so on. The vaccine program will continue to hopefully ramp up um, across the country, uh, starting with uh, first responders, uh, older people, essential workers, people with pre-existing conditions or comorbidities. But yeah, it's just um, 2021 is uh, uh, off to a heck of a start, I guess. Yeah, that's um, maybe uh, an underst- the understatement of the year so far. Uh, <laughs> Celeste Katz Marston, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the program, trying to make sense for us in Australia of what we've been seeing all day and um, stay safe. Thank you. You too. Celeste Katzmarston there from Boston. Celeste is a political journalist, a newswoman, an investigator and the author of Is This Any Way to Vote?